sing with confidence through faith. And kids, that's why we keep talking about it. That's why we keep sharing communion every month. So we get the message, this is the most important thing. But there are other things to learn. So you're going to go off to your groups now. And um, just to sort of warn parents, it's slightly different this morning in that we are having a shortened service because we're going to have a, a church meeting. It's part of our, you know, what we do as church. Um, um, but um, the kids' groups will might just go on until quarter past 12. And then parents, if you need to get away, you can go at that time and collect your kids. Um, but there will be leaders who stay with your kids until half past, if need be, if the meeting runs on longer. Okay, we won't go past half past. So if you go off to your groups, have fun and learn lots and be close to Jesus. So, for those of us who, who remain, um, you might uh, recognise that Ange had to go and her sister came in uh, uh, just to fetch her. Um, if you didn't know, her, her brother Richard is seriously ill in hospital in the ICU. Um, and, you know, if you suddenly fetch, that's not, I don't, I know that he's uh, still alive, but I, I know obviously that there's. Uh, an emergency. So that can we all just bow our heads and pray for Richard, please? Richard Snowden. Lord, we just pray that, um, just as Andrew was leading us, that her words would be prophetic, that there is a living hope, that you are the hope no matter what happens, but we place our hope in you right now, that you would bring. Richard, through this valley of the shadow of death, but not death itself, and that you would take him to the mountaintop where you set before him a feast and a banquet before his enemies, and that we might rejoice in the power of prayer and the joy of seeing our dear brother Thursday and um, it was a joy to hear her say that actually um, you know, Richard has been away from God for a while and he has gloriously come back to the Lord um, so that's really good news isn't it so um, I'm going to preach on hope this morning and um, you'll be glad to know I've written it down so I will not digress too much and I intend to start the meeting at quarter to 12, so that means I've got 12 and a half minutes, which should be at least these three sheets of paper. Now, I started a fourth, but I think that would be a very good message for the next time. Um, because the message is on hope, and there's two things I wanted to say about hope. What is our hope in? What do we base our hope on? And then 
What are we hoping for? Okay? What are we hoping for will be the next message. But today is, what is our hope based on? Now, you might know the song by Dion Warwick. It goes like this. What the world needs now is... Very good. Very good. Now, as, as a minister who was um, at the Craig Charles Funk and Soul show last night at the, the lead mill, until 11 p.m., I have you know. Wow. Um, I was just, it was a shame they didn't play that one, but it's the sort of one I went for, because I love that. But let's just change the lyrics a moment. What the world needs now is hope, sweet hope. Because we all, you know, the Beatles are at number one again, aren't they? And we know that they say all you need is love, love, love. But if that love doesn't have a direction and a purpose, if that love is not based on what Jesus did, then it's directionless and it will lead to turmoil. And so our theme this Christmas is hope is born because it's born in this fragile life of a baby, Jesus. Ultimately, our hope is in Jesus alone. One of the highest parts of scripture is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. We've already said it. And it really is like that little child in between adults of faith and love, leading them on. Because it's what it draws us towards. It's the fact that in the future there will be no suffering. There will be no death. There will be no hatred. There will be no despair. There will be no depression. That is what leads us on. That's what gets us out of bed in the morning without dis, um, being disconsolate. This is what Paul says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. But how are we going to do all that? Because it's quite hard sometimes. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How do we run with perseverance? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, that word pioneer means founder, leader, author. And let's think about what Jesus did then. Because what was set before him, it was the cross. That looks like difficulty, hardship, impossible maybe. But for the joy set before him, he endured it. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We looked back last week, didn't we, about, and we've, a couple of weeks, about sitting at the right hand of God, 
That's what Jesus had in mind when he was hanging on a cross. How did he endure that? How did he go through Gethsemane? Because he had his eyes on the prize. The joy set before him. Now, he doesn't mention the word hope, the Greek word hope, elip, elp, elpidos, is not in that passage. But quite often, hope is linked with joy, the joy set before him. It could have just as easily been hope. Because hope is often referred to when people or the church are having to endure through hard times. They come time and time again. Now, I've had to endure through hard times. Ten years ago, I set about trying to run a marathon. It takes me four hours to run 26.3 miles. That's a long time of panting and pain. Right? How did I get myself through? In my mind's eye, I, I did this in, in, in uh, Edinburgh. So I had to get the train back. So in my mind's eye, I thought of sitting on that train, having had a long bath in the hotel, with two, not one, but two takeaways, a Gingster's uh, Cornish pasty, and the best burger that you can get from Burger King, with fries, the drink, the full works. That was going to be my reward. But that wasn't enough, actually. I also needed a little reward every mile. Two jelly babies out of my little pouch. Okay? That was how I got through the marathon. The eyes on the prize, the hope set before me, but not just pie in the sky when, when you get there, yeah? But also found as a pound on the ground. A little elements, a bit like I know I'm going to heaven but I get the Holy Spirit now we get down payments of it now we get these glimpses of glory now yeah, that's exactly how we walk out the Christian life now, Jesus never actually used this particular word hope um, annoyingly but in Matthew 5 verse 12 he says Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets. So he's talking in the context of persecution. And this is just before he talks about the church being salt and light. What does he say? He says, rejoice and be glad in the face of persecution, because great is your reward in heaven. That's hope, isn't it? He's describing hope there for the future. But what's in the future gets us through today. Now, don't just take it from me. You can take it, I'm Giles Augustine. You can take it from the Augustine. Augustine of Hippo, one of the greatest philosophers and thinkers, Bishop of uh, North Africa. And this is what he said. Our reward is not in the skies, as in like the physical skies. It is the unseen, uh, talking about heaven, it's the unseen reality of heaven which is revealed to us by scripture and by faith. So if you're not sure what I'm talking about, read Isaiah 65 and Revelation chapter 22. 
where, and, and there are others examples of where it's described by prophets who've seen with the eyes John being taken up in a vision. Also what it says, those whose joy is in things spiritual can even have some foretaste of that reward here on earth. But it will be made perfect in every part when this mortal, talking about us, shall have been put into immortality. So we can know a little bit of it now, but we'll know fully when we get there. Now, what will we get when we get there? Paul, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 14, he talks about building on earth so that you will get a reward in heaven. Now, I used to struggle with that verse. I used to think, well, I thought it was all about grace. We shouldn't have to be, you know, getting rewards for what we do on earth. But it's not a reward that how we would, you know, like a medal. It's, it's just you get to enjoy with God what you take with you that you've already built in union with him for his glory. Yeah? So it's not a, like a prize for you, but it is it's something that you can enjoy because you take the fruits of your labour with you. If you build on earth with things that will last, like silver and gold and precious stones, then they will endure the fire. If you build on earth, with straw and sticks, it will be burnt up and you will escape as if through the flame. But the rubbish that you built won't. Does that make sense? If not, I'll elucidate. Now, this theme of hope, I said is important. That's why Ange found it in the Psalms this morning. That's why it's through all the Old Testament. That's why it often crops up in the first chapter of Paul's letters. Colossians 1, 23, hope, my hope is in the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3, my hope is in our Lord. 1 Timothy 1, 1, now Timothy had a lot on his plate. He needs hope. He gets it in the very first verse. Jesus is our hope, says Paul. Paul, when he wrote these things, was often in prison. And it says in Acts 23, verse 6, I am on trial for the hope of the gospel. Interestingly, a book that he probably didn't write, which is Hebrews, Hope is a central theme. It just keeps cropping up all the way through. So, um, Hebrews 3, verse 6. Boasting of the hope in the Lord. Hebrews 6, 11. Have full assurance of the hope until the end. Hebrews 6, 18. The hope set before us. Hebrews 7, 19. We have a better hope. Hebrews 10, 23 confession of hope of the unwavering faithful and then right up until Hebrews 11.1 1, the verse I started with we may not be experiencing serious persecution right now like the church of Hebrews 
But I believe that those times could easily be just around the corner. And if we truly stood up for our faith, we might actually find ourselves in the firing line a lot quicker than you would expect. It's the main reason why I want us to be reminded of importance of hope this morning is because the world needs it so badly. And we need to offer it to them. Last week, I sat in a, a meeting of food bank managers and I listened to each one of them as they talked about the, the cases that they see in their food banks. And one after one, I kept hearing the words despair. They were talking about but the beneficiaries and their lives and, and their situations. And I thought, why are they talking about despair? Because there's no hope. That's why they're talking about despair. So that's when, when it came to me, I said, yeah, I, I, I see a lot of despair. That is why, number one, we offer people food, physical food hope for a week's food. But that's a short-term thing. Secondly, we offer them social needs, whether it's debt relief or connecting with other services. That's maybe going to help them out of poverty. But ultimately, number three, we offer them the hope of Jesus. We ask to pray for them and if they want us to share, if they're open for us to share, um, it's never assumed. We always you know, wait for their invitation. We offer the spiritual need of hope because that is the long-term need that they have. You know, there's a limit to what six tins of baked beans and a toilet roll and is going to do for them. Hope in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ has a promise for eternal life. And that's long term. But it's also, over time, going to help them to overcome whatever habits or uh, dependencies or uh, traumas that they have in their life. Now, the atheist in the room shouted me down. How dare you offer Jesus as a hope? We're here to give people food. I disagree with him. It's interesting, isn't it? When you stick your head on above the parapet, how quickly persecution can come. So it's a time where we need to offer hope to the world. And therefore, we need to stand on it ourselves. We need to have our faith uh, truly anchored on this hope. So my question today is simple. What are you putting your hope in? We need to dig deeper into our roots, which is, has been our continuing theme, and 
our roots are hopefully in what our vows were at our baptism or our confirmation or the time where we gave our lives to Jesus. We might have said something like this, I believe in Jesus, my Lord and my Saviour and his death and resurrection. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 to 18. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. That is the power of hope, ladies and gentlemen. And let me pray for you the blessing from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust so that you may overflow with hope by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just ask for every one of us this week who'd go and reflect on the hope we have. And it would be that hope that invades our present, that gets us out of bed in the morning, that gets us through difficult times, that gives us something to offer to the people we meet. We place our hope in you, Lord.